Welcome back to the Weighing In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. I'm your host, Alex Steen. On the phone, as always, David Mirakatani. We're at episode number 96. David, how are things? Everything's good, man. Super busy this week, uh, and hope we can talk about this at the end, but our uh, our charity event is this coming Saturday with Randy Couture for uh, our wounded and disabled veterans. So you know, we'd definitely like to talk about that. We just got a lot of things in motion, but uh, we have really some positive momentum here. And uh, it's uh, it makes you realize why you do things when when you get to talk to a lot of people involved in stuff like this. Absolutely, I'm really surprised you have time to do this every week with all the stuff you got going on. <laughs> like I told you, man, no wife, no kids makes it a lot easier. <laughs> it certainly helps. <laughs> How's everything with you? Oh, it's good. Uh, doing a little home renovation this week, but the contractors seem to be doing their job. So as long as that holds, we'll be all right. Good, man. Good, good. First thing I wanted to get to this week, it broke shortly after our uh, taping last week. Um, Richard Perry was at the national team camp out in California, um, suffered a very serious injury. Uh, details are kind of scarce on exactly what happened, but there was uh, the story I saw was impaled. Something impaled his eye and went into his brain, suffered some brain trauma. Um, there's a GoFundMe out there to help with his medical expenses. Things are still uh, that whole situation is still developing. It's obviously very serious. His wife and kids are out there. Um, you know, when you see something like that happen, obviously it sounds like a freak accident. Um, our thoughts and prayers go out to him. We're hoping for the best. If you can donate to that GoFundMe, please do so. He'll need that. And I mean, I, that's all you can really say, right? Yeah. I, I mean, the family has to go from East to, to West coast. It's, it's, really tragic and you know the thoughts and prayers from so many people are going out but i also think the money that's going out i mean they've raised over a hundred thousand dollars a company like ludus created these shirts and the profits are going you know maybe all the proceeds i don't want to short them but that at least the profits are going to the gofundme or to the richard perry family and it is you know wrestling we've talked about this it's kind of a selfish sport to be great you have to focus on yourself and, you know, almost unapologetically, you know, it's fine. That's what needs to happen. But in times like this, people seek the higher ground. They seek the greater good. And it, it goes to show you that, you know, as, as Andy Hamilton would say, you know, wrestling is one big dysfunctional family. So, but we're a family. And, you know, I hope this is a story that we can keep on the, you know, on the front page and not just forget about it because, it, it's truly tragic, and, and at the same time, seeing what the wrestling community is doing uh, is is pretty amazing and, you know, sort of restores your faith in mankind in a lot of ways. Certainly, and I mean, it's always good when the wrestling community comes together. It's unfortunate that it has to, you know, take something like this sometimes to bring us together like that. But um, like you said, we need to keep this, you know, on the front page because this is going to be – and this isn't going to be well. He's going to go have a surgery and be well again. This is going to be a a long process, and he's going to need all the support we can give him. Um, we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to be just like you said, a long struggle just to even have a normal life. Right. So, yeah. Moving on to on the mat stuff. Uh, we got news this week that Jack Mueller, the former All American for Virginia. Um, moved up to 133, was around to 12 last year. He's going to redshirt, um, focus on the under-23 world team this fall and uh, take another year. How surprised were you by this news, David? Honestly, I think you and me talked about it a couple weeks ago when you were helping me put together the rankings, and it really feels like UVA has two 25-pounders with Mueller and Louis Hayes, and you and I have talked about this. You're, you're a really strategic guy. I like to think I'm strategic on a good day. Um, you know, I did coach a team, and you have to make these kind of decisions. And the, the thought process of just automatically redshirting everyone as a freshman, I think, is not great. And this is one of the – this is an example of why, because now you have some flexibility. This gives Mueller a chance to focus on the U23s, and then they're going to see during the season, like if, if Mueller, where he can lift and not be cutting weight and maybe just going to a few opens or going to a few freestyle tournaments, 
you know, the Medved or the Dave Schultz or those kind of things. And, you know, his weight, if he can make 57 really easily, well, they're going to have to figure it out. If 57 is a struggle and he can wrestle at 61 or 60, depending on the age group, then you, you figured it out. You have your 33-pounder. But at least it buys you a year. And it, so it really, you know, I think guys that sort of understood their lineup, it didn't, it didn't shock guys like you and me at all. It, it certainly hurts them in terms of team points. But again, like when we get into the rankings, we might get into that today and certainly next week. Mueller, because he was around a 12 guy, wouldn't even have been a preseason top eight guy. Doesn't mean he couldn't have done it, but he would certainly have to beat somebody that on paper he's not supposed to. If they can figure that out where one of those guys becomes a legit 133, their, their team is a lot better off for the long haul. Right. He's an interesting case. Um, obviously, wrestled 125 as a freshman, uh, was an All-American and then last year really battled some injuries. I mean, he, he got hurt his freshman year at the NCAA tournament, had to default out. And then last year battled some injuries. He was up at 133. But then after battling through all the injuries, finishing around at 12, kind of figured out maybe he preferred 125. Definitely the interview I read um, on Virginia's site talked about, you know, how he felt like maybe some of the stuff that he used to do at 125 wasn't working at 133. And, you know, some of that stuff, maybe he wasn't quite the right size. And obviously going down to 57 kilos with the new international weigh-ins suggests more of a 125. Um, you know, Coach Garland talked about he'll probably wrestle some opens at 133. But, of course, you don't want to cut a lot of, ton of weight when you're, you know, redshirting and trying to figure out where you're going to be next season. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Obviously, they do have Hayes, as you mentioned. He's rock solid. And if he takes a step forward this year, it's a good problem to have, but at the same time, you hope one of them can get, make 133 and figure it out. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And, you know, I don't want to put this out there, but you got the new transfer rules. So if it doesn't work out, somebody could be on the move. That's just, it's a lot different now than we have to look at that in a completely different vein now. But it certainly makes sense for them this year. And if those guys both love it there, then I'm sure they'll figure it out. Right. And they also have Brian Courtney, not to be mixed up with the Arizona State Brian Courtney. Um, but <laughs> they have Brian Courtney, another young talent that will, could probably wrestle 133 this year. So a lot of young talent out there. Um, it'll be interesting to see where that where that goes in the future. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, First world problems, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's like I said, it's a good thing to have. It's a, it's a sign you're – you know, program is developing talent, but of course you always wish that all your good guys find the right spots in the lineup if they can. Most definitely. Moving a little north to University of Michigan and Cliff Keen Wrestling Club, they announced this week that Sergey Belaglazov is coming on board to be a coach at the Cliff Keen Wrestling Club. That is a huge acquisition, one of the legends of the sport. Uh, that's That was stunning news to me. Yeah, uh, I, I'm actually smiling because a um, hundred years ago when I was a little kid, or maybe I was like, I don't know, maybe I was like a teenager. So I think like junior high, so like 35 years ago, my dad had Sergey Belaglazov to Merrimack. And I was his drill partner. And you know, he's a freestyle guy. And, you know, like some guy was trying to be a smart aleck in the crowd and said, well, what would you do if you got on top? Like, you know, can you really ride legs? And he just put one leg in and about broke my spine in about three seconds. <laughs> so, like, from that point on, I just learned wrestling was wrestling. <laughs> so, when you're that good, you're that good. Uh, I mean, obviously, one of the giants of the sport, unbelievable technique, and the Russian style. So, I think there's a lot of advantages to that. And just a preeminent name in the, uh, you know, in, in the freestyle world, which gives Michigan even more credibility on the RTC side of things. Absolutely. I mean, Michigan's been making some big strides lately. They, you know, invested in their facilities. They're really making a push with the Cliff Keen Wrestling Club to have one of the best RTCs around. And this is just, you know, I, I saw a couple of people talking about, you know, how many of these, how many of the kids know Sergey Belaglazov's name? Well, one, they can look it up. And two, when you, <laughs> when you recruit, you know, you can say, well, we have this guy. You don't even have to say the name. 
you just list off his resume and all the world championships and Olympic gold medals that he's won. And, you know, and Andy's got the Russian mystique around him, which everybody knows. It's just, it's a huge get. So even if, you know, the kids don't know his name, they will soon. So that's, it's very good for them. And I'm, I'm glad to have him in the U S teaching American wrestlers. That's fantastic. Get. Yeah. Your point about maybe not knowing the name, but knowing winning and knowing success is completely valid and and you know that's what all, all guys really want is somebody that can make them better right like and you're like well this guy's gotten it done okay well then you know probably benefit of the doubt right and then when you know then you go oh well it's probably my fault that i don't know this guy's name you know so i think that's really much more the issue so Right. Yeah, it's a huge hit for them. You know, I talked to John Morris, and he was super excited about it. So, uh, just, yeah, big get by Sean and the crew up there and uh, continuing to put the RTC and the college program uh, in a position to succeed. Absolutely. And now, through the wonders of the Internet, you can type his name into Google and watch his matches. So, it's even better than it used to be. You don't have to take anybody or anybody's word for it. You can watch it. <laughs> what he has to show for himself. So. Watching him abuse people, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His match with John Smith is just, it's, I mean, Smith wins, but my goodness, it's just two amazing technicians on the mat. It's it's a master class. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll get to see some international wrestling this weekend. Uh, women's freestyle national team is going to Poland for the Poland Open. That is a uww ranking series event for them um seven of them are going uh obviously we don't have a 57 kilo rep yet as helen morales still hasn't had her wrestle off and then uh i think adeline gray and aaron Codgo are staying home but everybody else will be in attendance and team usa is also sending a strong men's freestyle roster with a lot of names and a few greco guys as well um uh, so we'll be well represented in poland this weekend yeah, I got a chance to talk to Eric Carrero and just to ask him about how good that tournament is. And uh, it, he just said, he goes, you want to find out where you are, this is one of the tournaments you go to. So they're sending guys like Dean Heil. And I, I think this is great, you know, like just for everybody to be able to see this, you know, to see where they are and to get a feel. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about any tournaments that are less quality because I want to disparage them. but if, you go through, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week about the junior Pan Ams, and it's nobody's fault. But when you win, you know, 17 gold medals or whatever it was out of 30, like you're not, you guys aren't being tested. You don't really know how good they are. This tournament, we're going to know how good how good our guys are. So, yeah, for sure. Like I, I it's it's going to be really interesting to see the results, and it's kind of a good time for us just selfishly because it's not tied to, you know, we're not in the middle of collegiate season. So, you know, that part's, you know, that part's really cool as well. Right. Always good to have wrestling in this, this weird time before everything really kicks off again. Um, obviously sending some of our best women, always a good thing. And then some really interesting names on the men's freestyle roster. You mentioned Heil. I was a little surprised to see him. I'm glad to see him continuing, you know, with the way his folk style career ended and just, some of the struggles he's had in freestyle, I wasn't sure what his attitude would be, but it looks like he's going to give it a go. Uh, Jordan Oliver is back. He's at 70 kilos for this. Um, and it just, you know, runs the gamut from guys like Darian Cruz, who haven't had a lot of international experience, up to Joe Colon, who, you know, is right there to be the, our world team member. And then just all over the place, Brandon Sorensen, you know, Richie Lewis, Pat Downey, Kyvin Gadsden, you know, just – everything from our national team type guys to guys that we don't know what they're going to look like. So that'll be really interesting. And then on the Greco side with Joe Rao and D'Angelo Hancock, obviously got some of our best guys there too. So it should be a really interesting weekend to watch as far as results go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely going to be intrigued to see how it is. Most definitely. So moving on to our weekly feature, breaking down, the top 20 teams returning from the NCAA points last year were to the top three, the best three teams in the country. They should be among the best again this year. 
Um, Iowa third, Ohio State second, and Penn State obviously with another national title last year. This will be a fun one. Uh, we'll start in Iowa. Uh, the returning third place finishers with 97 points. Um, obviously Spencer Lee coming through and coming out of red shirt, winning the, winning the title with a lot of bonus points, spearheaded the charge. Uh, they also had Brandon Sorensen finished fifth, Michael Kemmerer finished fourth, Alex Marinelli finished sixth, and Sam Stoll finished fifth. They lose Sorensen, Kemmerer bumps up a couple of weights, but everybody else should be back. Um, what do you think about the Hawkeyes, David? Well, you, one, they're going to be really good, right? Like they're, they're arguably the second best team, and arguably they could win it. it you know, you look at it. it when we coached, it was always great to have, like, a guy that you knew was going to win every tournament, like he's going to be a state champion or going to be a national champion. And they have that in Spencer Lee. Nothing he can't be beat, but, you know, he's going to be a prohibitive favorite, and he scores a ton of bonus. One of the things we didn't touch on was how much bonus Iowa scored last year. I think they scored over 20 bonus points. It was, like, maybe the most they had in, like, 15 or 20 years. So, I mean, if you go weight by weight, Central you can't really do much better, but you don't expect them to do a lot worse. The Santo or Renneria will certainly probably be a qualifier, so that's going to be better than what Glenn did. Instart benefited last year from having a pigtail match and scoring bonus out there. So, you know, even if you think Muren and Turk are like two and two kind of guys, probably about the same. It's going to be hard. You know, 49 is not super deep, but, you know, Lugo. I don't know you could reasonably say he's going to do as well as Sorensen, but they lose points there. Caleb Young, if you just keep Kemmerer's points the same and compare Caleb Young to where Gunther did it, those feel like they're kind of the same. Marinelli's the same. You know, Wilkie or Bowman should do as good as Bowman did last year. Jacob Warner is the big one where they, you know, they feel like he can place. And Jacob Warner is going to be one of the hardest guys to rank. And I was talking to somebody about this. Is he the guy that crushed Willie Mithlis at the Wendell Open, or is he the guy that lost to Woodley from Oklahoma? And, you know, because most guys, you can figure out their best win and their worst loss, and, you know, kind of like, okay, you, you know, you lost the three and you beat eight, so you're four, five, six, or seven. Here's the opposite, where he beat a three-time All-American and then lost to a guy that redshirted last year. And then stole. Uh, I talked to Andy Hamilton. He said Stoll's probably going to miss one meet, maybe two, for team rule stuff, but then he's going to be ready to roll. And, you know, he's he's a guy that can easily improve on that fifth-place finish. They scored 97 last year. A ton of those were bonus. If I set the, the over-under at 102.5, which way do you go? You know, it's interesting because, you know, you're talking about Warner. He's kind of a microcosm of Iowa's entire lineup. He's, you know, could be national title type contenders, but we just don't really know. And so the 102 is really interesting. I think I'm going over just because when I look at these things, if they're reliant on one or two of those guys, I'm probably going under, but they have a lot of guys that could be really good. We're just not really sure where to put them. I mean, when you look at DeSanto, you know, he wasn't an All-American last year, but he's not far away from being one of the best at that weight class. And, you know, he'll be pushed by Renteria. Murren and Turk, they've been – Turk's been kind of close, and Murren's really good. So if they push each other a little bit, it wouldn't be hard to see one of those guys getting on the stand. Lugo is the same kind of way. Yeah, he's probably a downgrade from Sorensen, though he has beaten him before. But it's still, it's like, okay, you had a year off. Maybe you made a little bit of a leap. You wouldn't have to go that far. You know, he's been in the round of 12 before. Caleb Young, you know, he's never found the right weight, so he might be better. Marinelli, you know, he beat... Uh, the national champion last year at one point. So he might get better than six. I think they expect him to be better than six. You know, Kimmer, like you said, probably keeps his points about the same, but he could move up. Wilkie, I think I'm really excited to see what Wilkie looks like at 184 because, you know, he's been stuck up at 197 for two years. 
really out of his weight class. I think he's more of a natural 184. And then, you know, like you said, Stoll might be a title contender. So they're not going to hit on all of those, but I think they'll hit on enough. I would go over 102 and a half. I think they're definitely uh, the second best team right now. And if a lot of those hit, they could be right there. So it's it's going to be really interesting to watch how they evolve. What, is the, what do you think the number I should have set? Like 110, 115? Yeah, I mean, if it was higher than – yeah, if, if you'd said 110, I would have hesitated a lot more. Um, and I know that's, you know, eight points really – it's that's not that much, um, especially in the grand scheme of things. Over are seventh place guys. Yeah. <laughs> But it's I mean, an all-American. Yeah, it's not it's, nothing. Right. It's, yeah. it's not nothing, but it's you know it's it's one win in the quarterfinals, pretty much. <laughs> so, you know. It's, yeah, but those are hard. To, those are hard to buy, right? Are they're hard to find? But you know that. But that's kind of what I mean because you know you look at a guy like DeSanto, and you could see him going either way in the quarterfinals this year. You know, he could win and be in the semis. He could even. I mean, I don't really see him making the finals. One thirty-three is so tough, but there's you know. He, he torched Mitchich, and I know there was some extenuating circumstances around that match, but he's shown he can be really, really tough. Um, so, you know, that kind of thing, it'll be interesting. I, I could see Iowa going either way to challenge for national title or being kind of a, a disappointment with all this preseason hype because they do have a lot of guys that could go either way. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, a disappointing season for them would probably be third again. You know, that's, that's not what they're looking for this year. So I don't, I don't mean they're going to, you know, go way down, but they have a chance to be really special. We'll see if that materializes or not. The, the quarterfinals and the round of 12 for this team, I feel like they could just have a truckload of guys there, like on the bubble. Um, the other rumor is that the Santo, um, may not be eligible for a semester. So then that makes you wonder, do they just wrestle Renneria? Um, do, you know, what do they do? So it's, uh, it, you know, there's no, I haven't substantiated that, but that is something I heard from some people I trust. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, 110 is probably about the number. And I mean, they could score 125 or they could score 95 and you really wouldn't be that surprised. Like, oh, they lost three one-point matches, or they won three one-point matches, and then we're off and running. Right. And neither, neither one of those would, would really surprise you. So, I mean, I think we're just kind of splitting the middle on that. Yeah, and I mean, even guys like Stoll, I mean, he didn't finish two seasons because he got hurt, and now he's recovering from a gunshot wound. Now, I still have no idea how serious it was. It sounds serious, obviously. Um, but he could get hurt at any time. So, it's Potential is really the word for Iowa. We'll just see how much of it they can fulfill. For sure. But but they also feel like, I mean, they could wrestle not great, and probably the only team that we've talked about that we think could pass them would be Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's kind of a statement of how separated the top of this field is from everybody else. You know, there's not a four, five, six type of team that we think is going to take a big step forward. So, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we're looking for the Hawkeyes to take a step forward. So who's going to catch them? You're probably right. Nobody except for maybe the Cowboys. So that's a good place to be in. But, you know, they don't really like second place even in Iowa. So third isn't going to do them much good. (laughs) Well, they don't like it, but they've had to get used to it for a long time now. Yeah, I don't think they won't be happy. Right. (laughs) Moving on up to second place, Ohio State. 133 and a half points, the highest score ever for a runner-up team. Uh, had a great year. Um, the seniors, Nathan Tomasello, Bo Jordan, and Kyle Snyder, you know, all went out uh, as four-time All-Americans. That was the first time that had ever happened. Snyder was a champ. Jordan was fifth. Tomasello was third. Um, and they crowned eight All-Americans overall with Pletcher fourth, Joey McKenna third. Micah Jordan, sixth. Bo Jordan, as mentioned, fifth. Miles Martin, second. And Colin Moore, fourth. And then they also had Keyshawn Hayes losing the round to 12 and Tashawn Campbell go two and two. So they didn't really have a hole all the way up and down the lineup, but now they have to replace that incredible class that was their anchor for so long. 
Yeah, they they have, you know they scored 135 and a half points, but you peel off you know Snyder, he's about 25. You peel off Tomasello, he's about 18 to 20. And you peel off Bo Jordan, he's probably about 15. So you're talking about you know 60 points, give or take. And you know last year it felt like they really lost the tournament when Keyshawn lost in the quarterfinals and Colin Moore got you know beat by Kyle Cannell. Like you know that was like okay these guys are you know, they they were in charge of the tournament just because they had so much depth. You know, it's it's kind of like the team of a bunch of guys that can place versus, you know, Penn State, which had a bunch of hammers but were just terrible in a couple weights. And it, uh, it, that's what it cost them. I mean, you, you, I think the obvious statement is they're not going to score 133 points again, right? Like, right. you know, they lose Tomasello's points and probably the guy most likely to place them they placed him as Malik Heinzelman, who I had the unfortunate pleasure of sitting in the corner against him, and he's really good. But I don't know if he's third in the Division One, you know, 125 as a true freshman good. Fletcher took fourth in a really tough weight, and, you know, like if a Suriano comes up or something like that, fourth would be really good. But Ken is the interesting one because if they flip-flop him to 49, I think he's arguably the favorite. And so then if Keyshine could just place at 41, they, they outscore what they did last year. You know, if Micah could get off bottom, he's as good on his feet as everybody except Nolf. It just struggles on bottom. It feels like Caleb Romero and Campbell will probably do about the same at 65. It's going to be hard to replicate the points Bo Jordan got at 74 for sure. If and we're going to talk about him in a minute, but if Bo Nickel moves up, Miles Martin's the favorite at 84. Right. And it, I don't know that if it, I mean, I thought about this. Like, if Miles Martin takes first and Colin Moore takes, say, fourth instead of third or fifth instead of fourth or something like that, are they better off than if Miles Martin took second and Colin Moore took third or fourth instead of fourth to fifth? The answer is probably they're better off at the champion because you get four extra points for winning that last match. Yes. So, you know, they – and then they're going to lose a lot of points at heavyweight. So, I'm going to put you on the spot. What would you think is the right over-under for this team this year? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, you mentioned all the points that they lose. I'm thinking probably 80, maybe 75 even. So, if let's say Pletcher can score 10. Let's say McKenna can score 15. So really, because that's 25, now it comes down to what do you give Keyshawn? If you say he can place, he's 10, now that's 35. Micah Jordan's 45. Miles Martin is 20, that's 65. Colin Moore, 75, 80, and then that's no bonus. Then they're like a 90-point team. I think the number's probably around 90. That would be my guess. Well, I mean, and, what would we decide? That they lost like 60 points? So that means they're returning 73 and a half. Yep. Move a couple of guys up. But, yeah, 80 to 90, somewhere in there. Obviously, they'll have higher aspirations. But I, I don't know about this team. Not not because of any individual. Obviously, Hayes is the guy you'll point to as a place where you can add points. Um, you know, we lost to Heilman and Brandon Sorensen last year, so it's not like he cratered at NCAAs. He just kind of got a bad draw. Lost to the three and, you know, the four and the two seed. So, um, that's, you know, that's going to happen. But outside of that, maybe McKenna is the favorite. He's been, you know, favored to be in the finals, I think, every year of his career, and he's never gotten there. Um, you know, Pletcher's fourth, but you mentioned 133 is such a meat grinder. I think just holding water there is as good as you can do. Um, I don't think you're going to get – I mean, it's hard to project Heinzelman as, you know, if he – doesn't redshirt, then he might score points, but it's hard to project him as an All-American right now. And maybe Tashawn Campbell is the key because he looked at times like a possible All-American, and then maybe he was just cutting too much weight. If he bumps up to 74 and can wrestle like that all the time, maybe that's the part. But I don't know. It's hard to see where they're going to get those extra points. 90 maybe is fair but I'm not sure I would even bet the over on that. Um, here's, here's the interesting thing. If they wrestled well, 
They could have Fletcher in the semis, McKenna in the semis, Micah in the semis, Martin in the semis, Colin Moore in the semis. Sure. And Keyshawn in the quarters. If Campbell goes 74, he could be in the quarters. So, you know, let's, so, I mean, they could have seven All-Americans and, you know, if they average sixth place, that's 70 points. You know, if Miles Martin goes and wins it, I think I think these I think eighty five to ninety feels like that's about right. Yeah. So at some point before the season starts, we're going to put all these over unders out there. We're going to put it put it in ink, start betting chicken wings. You're going to pick the evens or the odds, and I'm going to do the other ones. We're going to see who ends up, you know, having the big brain on this thing for sure. Yeah, that would be interesting to do, and Ohio State will be an interesting one. You know, this is I think they're a classic team where you look at them and their floor is pretty high because, you know, there's certain, you know, they're not going to lose. Like you, you mentioned the seven names out of those, at least six of them are going to be all Americans. Cause you know, not, they're just not going to have a disaster. They've got rock solid guys. Martin's a three-time all American. Moore's proven it before. Jordan's proven it before. McKenna's proven it. Pletcher did great all year last year. So, you know, those guys aren't going to flame out, but at the same time, their ceiling, I just don't know what it is. It it might be high, especially if guys like Caleb Romero and Chase Singletary pan out, but it's hard to figure out where those points are going to come from, at least for me right now. Um, and, you know, maybe Colin Moore <laughs> looks like he did two years ago and wins the title, although, you know, now trying to beat Bo will be harder. But, uh, you know, it's it's interest, they're an interesting team this year for sure. Chase Singletary is a very interesting one because it's very difficult to imagine a freshman, even a redshirt freshman, placing if his name's not Gable Stevenson. <laughs> but well, I mean, I wanted to make sure I like, yeah. got that out. Like somebody made sure I didn't forget that guy. But just in general, like most normal non-androids. Um, so, uh, but heavyweight lost a lot. Yeah. So maybe he could sneak in and get a six, seven, eight, and that gets him up there. But like right now, I think we're saying that on paper Iowa would be the number two team, and it would be interesting to see if we literally sketch this out. I think we have Oklahoma State sort of on paper at three, and Ohio State at four. When we do the rankings, it'll be interesting to see if, if that's how it shakes out. Yeah, I think I think Ohio State has more proven guys than. I don't want to say that about, you know, they're they're definitely more proven than Iowa in a lot of spots, but I think Iowa has more upside for sure. Um, we'll just have to see. And then, you know, obviously Oklahoma State has a lot of guys who have been All-Americans in the past, but they have a lot of questions too. So that 2-3-4 race will be very interesting. To I, It won't be that way all year where we're trying to figure them out because we'll see these guys on the mat, and I think – all the teams will establish an identity and kind of figure it out. But um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes early in the year as we see these guys come out and see what the lineups are, especially in Oklahoma State's case, and kind of see how guys look. It'll be – it'll start to solidify. But the one team that they're all chasing, and I think we all agree, number one team in the land and the defending national champions again, uh, at this point you have to – Expect them to win until they don't. Penn State Nittany Lions with 141 and a half last year. Um, as you mentioned, you know they kind of relied on their horses again. They didn't get much out of 25 and 33, but then Nick Lee fifth, Rutherford Nolf and Joseph all NCAA champs. Mark Hall second, Bo Nickel a champ, and then seventh place out of Shakur Rashid and Nick Nevels. Everybody except for Rutherford that scored a bunch last year is back. Obviously, replacing Zane Rutherford is tough, and we're going to talk about a lineup shuffle. But is there any reason to think that they won't win again? I don't think there's any reason to think they won't win again. You know, but when we go through this, 141 and a half points will be interesting to see, right? Right. So, yeah. No, because, I mean, you've got guys – okay, Vincenzo Joseph might be the most – underappreciated, disrespected guy who could be a four-timer I've ever even think about, right? Like, they're not even talking like he's the best guy in his own team. Right. You know, like, 
I don't know if this guy's going to get any credit until he's a senior, and after Nolf is gone and Nickel is gone, and even then Hall will be next to him. But, I mean, talk about a guy that's been able to fly under the radar. I mean, I won state my sophomore year, and we had a guy on the team that won it as a senior uh, that was a defending champion, and, and it honestly helped me because, you know, nobody was talking about me. And then that's a, you know, minute accomplishment in comparison to this, but this guy has won two national titles and beat studs to do it, and just nobody's talking about him. It's just kind of crazy. So, I mean, you, get, you can't really bet against uh, Nick Lee. I think he could take fifth again. It's a deep weight, but I certainly think he can. I mean, he's a guy that pulled out of red shirts. So he's probably only going to be better. Nolf, if you weren't going to beat Nolf last year, you're not going to beat Nolf. I mean, you know, Vincenzo, you're still the favorite. Mark Hall might be the most solid guy to make the finals that isn't a favorite of anybody in the country. Nickel feels like he would win 84 or 97. You know, Rashid, I think, is only going to get better. And heavyweight got thinner. So, and then you have this notion. They got guys like Joe Lee, Aaron Brooks, Michael Beard, and Seth Neville's on gray shirt. I mean, it's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, they're really lining up the depths with, you know, obviously those guys' gray shirt, and then you bring in Gavin Teasdale and Brody Teske, who will probably battle for 125, and Roman Bravo-Young, who's likely going to be the starter at 133 to shore up two of their, I don't want to call them holes because that's not really fair, but in relation to how good the rest of the lineup was, those were their two spots. The whole when you score less than two points at two weight, and the other team scores, your other guys score 140. Right. I mean – yeah, it is a hole. It was sure. a hole for a lot of teams, but for Penn State, that qualifies. So, um, obviously, you bring in blue chip re- recruits there. Um, they have a history of, you know, bringing in true freshmen and doing well. So, that is really their chance to make up the points that they're going to lose with Rutherford. Um, it looks like probably Brady Berge at 49, although Jared Verclaren is also there. So, I'm sure he'll have something to say about that. And then, you know, they've we were kind of talking about what their lineup was going to be, and they put out their roster and kind of confirmed, at least it appears that they've confirmed, that Bo Nichols is going to go to 97, Shakur Rashid's going to bump back down to 84, and then Anthony Kassar will go up to heavyweight to challenge Nick Nevels, which not often you see a guy like that go from 197 to 285 when you have an All-American there already. Yeah, they're – they're in a really, I mean, they're in a really good position. And, yeah, next, this coming year, Nolf will be a senior. Nickel will be a senior. But that's it. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, they're just going to be good for so long. It's, it's And the thing is, they don't miss on guys. Like, the guys they recruit actually pan out and they get better. It's not like they're just recruiting and not developing, and that's kind of the crazy part. Right. And that's, it's, a, it's not only good coaching, obviously, to develop the guys, but it's also obviously a good strategy. They're bringing in the right people and a little bit of luck. I mean, it helps because every, every program in the country is going to get hit by injuries at times. You're going to get guys that, you know, don't make it academically. You're going to get guys that, you know, just don't work out. They end up at the same weight, like we talked about with Virginia, Obviously, with Penn State, with the depth they have and with the numbers they have, some of that is mitigated because you can, you know, lose one guy here and there. Um, But their guys are coming in and winning national titles and scoring a ton of bonus, which that's something that no one else has figured out as consistently as the Nittany Lions have. They've been able to produce that guy. You know, when, when Kale went to Penn State, it was, well, you know, they got David Taylor, who was going to go to Iowa State, and Ed Ruth was always already at Penn State. So that kind of created a perfect storm. You know, we've seen a double recruiting class like that before, spark a dynasty at Iowa. So that kind of thing was where everyone was hoping, well, maybe it was just a fluke, and it'll end their run after those two are gone. And then they left, and we had Nolf and Rutherford, and Bo Nickel showed up. And it's like, well, he's, and now these guys are going to go, but now we know better. We know that all these guys – that they're recruiting and bringing in, you just assume they're going to turn at least a few of those guys into machines and they're just going to keep right on rolling. 
I think we're more surprised when their guys don't pan out than when they do. And that speaks volumes to everything you just spoke about. That tells you everything you need to know where you're like, we expect them to get great kids and make them great. And that's, you know, there's plenty of other guys that get number one guys and they don't pan out. Now, not all number one guys are created equal, but, and you spent the time on them, you spent the money on them, you know, it's your job to judge talent. I mean, the obvious one is like not all state champions are created equal. Right. And, you know, then we, we, you know, we had to look at that all the time when we were recruiting, like, well, the guy won a terrible weight. Um, he won it because he's got a headlock. I mean, you know, there's a million different things, but, you know, it's the same thing. They're doing an unbelievable job of getting, you know, getting these guys and making it happen. So, and there's really no end in sight. I mean, you don't go, well, I mean, there was a rumor that like Ohio State would just redshirt everybody because they can't win this year. And, you know, at least they would lose Nickel and Nolf and they might have a chance. Because if you take this Penn State team, let's say they score, I mean, Zane scored 25 points. It feels like they could make up at least 15 of those, right? Yeah. I mean, you you could make up 15 without getting anything out of 25 and 33. So. Well, I mean, kind of. I mean, Nolf can't. Nick Lee is going to be tough to go up much. Nolf can't go up. Vincenzo can't go up. Hall can only go up one spot. Nickel can't go up. You're really saying Rashid and Nevels are going to go way up. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, 15 points, they have to jump from seventh to third each. So, I mean, I think they might be able to make up eight to ten there. And then these other guys at the bottom are going to have to at least go like two and two with some pins. So, it feels like they can get to 130 points. Let's say they do that. Then the next year, they're still starting with 80. Yep. With Nolf gone and Nickel gone. Now you got this whole lineup back, plus Joe Lee, Aaron Rodgers, Michael Beard, Seth Neville. Yep. Like, I don't see these guys scoring less than 120 points for a long time. Right. I mean, the only hope I think that most that the rest of the NCAA has is if this new transfer rule – more of these guys transfer out after a year or two, and then Penn State gets unlucky with an injury here and there. Um, but they are well-stocked. Uh, it looks really good for the future. Uh, and, you know, you, like I said, 197 and 285 have room to move up. I think Nick Lee could take another big step forward because he was yeah, – he's so offensive. Last year he looked – and it's not a slight, but he looked more physically like a high school kid still. So I haven't seen him this year. I don't know if he's just going to be one of those guys that always looks like a, you know, a string bean kind of type. But maybe he is. But maybe he takes another step forward, another year of maturity physically gets him to that level. Because if he gets to that point where he can – his attacking style just works all the time, kind of like we've seen from Nolf and we've seen from Nickel – he's going to be another one of those guys because that's what he tries to do. He just couldn't do it to some of the bigger, stronger guys last year. Um, so he might take a big step forward too. Rashid at 84 might be a nightmare. I mean, he was pinning guys at 197. What's he going to do at 84? I mean, it's, right. it's an embarrassment of riches for them. And I, you know, I know people want to, don't want to hear about it, but they are really at this point where, you know, when Dan Gable took over at Iowa, they had a big run. And they had kind of a, a lull in the middle there for a few years. And then they had another big run till Gable turned it over to Zaleski. And, you know, Penn State so far, I don't see where that lull is coming. I, I don't see it. They've, they've lost one, really, since they started winning. They've lost one. And, yeah, looking at this roster, it's hard to see who's going to beat them. Uh, whoever is down the road, is gonna, it's going to take something remarkable to do it. Someone's going to have to take it from them. They're not going to give it. I think that's kind of what we're saying, yeah. you know. So, for sure. So, I mean, what would you set the number at then? Like 130, 133, somewhere in there? Yeah. I mean, for for me, if you said it anything 135 or less, I'm taking the over because they've proven they can do it. And, you know, I mean, I do this thing. No, where, that's fair. Yeah. So, what if I set it at 141 and a half again? Oh, see that? That's a good question. Honestly, 
I'm going over because if you look at it, they didn't score as as many bonus last year as they normally do in this run with this great team that they've had. And obviously they lose Rutherford, so they lose a few, but they had some guys that normally get bonus that didn't a couple of those early matches. So they they left some points on the board. I'm really high on Teasdale and Roman Bravo Young. If they you know if Teasdale can and can handle 125, I think he's kind of he's been kind of the forgotten man. He's taken a couple of losses these last couple of years in high school and people have kind of soured on him a little bit. I don't, I don't think that's fair. Um, I think he'll be excellent for them. Roman Bravo young obviously has a ton of potential. It's 33. So he might not all American just because of all the names there, but I wouldn't put it past him. And then, you know, obviously I've made my thoughts on Lee clear and, you know, and heavyweight Neville's, would have been in the top three probably coming back anyway. And then if Kassar beats him out, then we know what Kassar can do. So I, I'd i probably still bet the over, but that would be a, a much tougher bet to take. Yeah, it, it, it's sticky. I think what we'll do the next couple of weeks is go through the, you know, the rankings, and then that'll get us, you know, to October, and we can start putting some over-unders out there. And it'll just be fun to see, but – What's scary is, you know, you're contemplating a number between, you know, you're saying even 141 and a half you go over. So let's just say 140. Nobody else has a number really over 100 except maybe Iowa. Right. I mean, like, if I said 100 for Ohio State, I think you'd say under. And if I said 100 for Oklahoma State, you'd probably say under. And that's it. Yeah. No, no, even in the conversation. Yeah. So, Someone is going to have to pr- do a lot better than what we have them slated at now to push them. I, I get what you're pointing at on that one. If you just take what they have, like, okay, they scored 141 and a half points. Zane, I think, scored 24. And then they scored maybe one with Corey Keener and Kuhn. So it's 25 points. So it takes them down to 116 and a half. If I just said to you, Nick Lee, Nolf, Vincenzo, Hall, Nicole Rashid, and then either Nevels or Kassar, you know, and I'm going to set their number at 116, I think you're saying they go over based on improvement in 97 in heavyweight and overall bonus improvement. Like, Nolf's probably going to score more points this year because he's healthy. Right. So if we're saying those seven guys can score 120 points, and all you have are three number one ranked high school guys in the country coming in. Something's someone's going to have to like forget to make weight or something, right? Like, definitely, it's kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, you've got obviously returning four NCAA or returning three NCAA champs and a and a finalist who's been a champ before. Yeah, that it's you can't contend with that under the scoring that we have, and uh, you know this if. Teasdale, Bravo Young, and Brady Berge all turn out to be what, you know, they have the potential to be. This might be one of Kale's more complete teams. You know, we've kind of gotten used to him winning winning it with a bunch of champs and not much else. You know, what what's going to happen if he, you know, gets nine or ten All-Americans? You know, this is – that's probably not going to happen this year because all those guys are freshmen, and that's, you know, that's a lot to ask. But with all that depth, it seems like they're the, you know, that's the next thing that they could do to just further cement them as one of the best dynasties in the sport. Yeah, for sure. They're they're, they're a huge problem if you don't go to school there. <laughs> <laughs> no question. No question. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you really don't like them, you're not going to have a lot of fun in the NCAA tournament the next few years. And you're getting used to that, unfortunately, for you. <laughs> yeah, I think, though, most people, like, they're making, they're elevating the game, right? So, like, you kind of have to at least respect what's going on, right? Like, well, they, when they're doing big, they're doing big things. They are. And they wrestle a, an entertaining style. So it's not like they're, you know, going out there and winning every match three to two. It's very entertaining. So you have to, at, at least if you can't, you don't like Penn State for some reason, if you're at a rival school, if you support them, at least you can under, appreciate the style of wrestling that they do and, and how they've, you know, they've pushed us into a more offensive era because the only way to beat bonus points is to score them yourself. 
Um, so I think they've kind of helped push us into that and definitely seen more points scored lately in college wrestling. Um, so and that's well said, man. thing. Yeah, it's definitely well said. So next week, I guess we'll start digging into the weight classes and, you know, probably talk about the Poland tournament and things like that. Um, I do want to mention that Brian Medlin is on Matt Chat this week from uh, the Illinois RTC. He is a really unique thinker and has a unique background. So, you know, people are driving or trying to find some stuff to do. Um, it was a really, really fun interview. He's a great listen. So I hope people will give that, give that one a listen. Sounds good. I definitely will. And I, I hope everyone that's still listening at this point comes back for next week when we'll break that stuff down and get into rankings. You know how much I love that. Yeah, for sure. So real quick, uh, Extreme Couture GI Foundation, uh, poker run this Saturday, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Um, we're going to have a bunch of stuff on our silent auction online, and I'll be posting it. Uh, we got stuff donated from USA Wrestling, from Nike, from Grapple Monster, from Rudis, gift cards from uh, all kinds of restaurants, just all kinds of things, probably about three or $4,000 worth of prizes, just our, our silent auction items, rather. So um, we even got a few copper mugs in there, Mr. Steen. <laughs> you, uh copper mugs. I don't know what you use those for, but um, apparently they're good for something. So, um, you know, people can either, uh, you know, find me on, on Twitter or on Facebook uh, or even just, you know, ask track wrestling and, and get in touch with me, but got some great stuff. All the money's going to veterans uh, that are either, you know, wounded or disabled. hundred percent of, of all that money's going straight to, and we have zero overhead on this. So um, really hope people will, will get a hold and maybe make a bid or two on some things. That's great. I encourage everyone to support that cause if you can, and go find that GoFundMe for Richard Perry. Get your Rudis shirt. Keep him in your thoughts. And Until next week for Episode 97, have a good week.